Welcome to the Sloth Investor Podcast with your host, Mr. Sloth. The information on this podcast is provided for education and informational purposes only. The information contained in or provided from or through this podcast is not intended to be and does not constitute advice of any kind. Welcome everyone to episode 14 of the Sloth Investor Podcast, an investing podcast that explores why I believe the humble sloth is the best animal to characterize successful investing. Once again, I'm joined by my fellow sloth investor and co-host Jay. Jay, how are you? Well, since the last time we've done this podcast, I know I started off by saying I was super excited because my team won, my Edmonton Oilers hockey team won their, their first game. Well, I'm proud to say that they're one of the top teams in the league right now, 5-0, and oh, so I'm a happy camper. Congratulations, congratulations. And you know, I'm trying to mix up my um, pronunciation of um, sloth. I start off in the first few episodes by saying sloth. Now I go for sloth. I'm trying to mix things up, you know, keep our listeners on their toes. So I've, got some, Canadian, I've got some Canadian friends who are listeners who would be happy to hear ah, that. Fantastic. Let's go to my friend Cecilia, who's quite upset by the fact that you call it a sloth. <laughs> I like it. I'm open to both Cecilia, sloth and, uh, and sloth. So, uh, so there you go. So Jay, you know, I'm going to launch straight into our focus this week and it's on sustainable investing. Okay. So it's important to understand that sustainable investing is just one name given to this form of investing. For example, it's not uncommon to hear terms such as ethical investing, impact investing, socially responsible investing, and ESG, which has become increasingly common in recent years. So, so um, why don't yeah. can we start with? Can I get you to explain? Get you mm. to start off by start. Would would would. You just mentioned the term ESG. Mm. What do you mean by ESG? Yeah, so let me dig a little bit deep into acronym ESG. So ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And it was first coined by the United Nations in 2004 from a study they authored that was named Who Cares Wins. So the environmental aspect pertains to such things as carbon emissions, climate change, pollution, waste and renewable energy. The S being social relates to the rights, well-being and interests of citizens and their local communities. For example, this could encompass uh, privacy and data, workers' rights, health and safety and supply chains. And I guess in this regard, I'm thinking about the use of overseas sweatshops, for example. Okay, and finally, the G represents governance, okay? And that focuses on how businesses are run, looking at issues like board and employee diversity, tax transparency, accountability, and so-called fat cat bosses on excessive salaries. So Jay, I'm curious, of these terms, you know, sustainable investing, ethical investing, impact investing, socially responsible investing, and ESG, which of these have you encountered the most in your forays into investing? I'd probably say ESG, and it's a term that I'm, I guess, kind of um, more recently familiar with. Um, probably in the last couple of years, I started to look at, and if you don't know this as an investor, you can go into an app uh, for your broker. Many of them, like IB, have mm -hmm. an ESG rating that you can um, look at and use that to help guide you in your, your investment strategy. But I, I have to tell you that uh, I'm trying to personally, on a personal level, and I think I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, you, you gave me the great term, in, invest in the future that you want to see. Mm, and sure. I'm, I'm trying to do that, and that, which has meant for me, for example, um, divesting from oil companies. Mm, really interesting, really interesting. And 
it's like a day doesn't go past when you know I get the occasional email from my brokerage too about ESG as well. Just yesterday, I received um, an email from my brokerage about ESG funds as well. So yeah, very very top call right now, definitely. So so. Although ESG and sustainable investing are often used interchangeably, I believe that sustainable investing most accurately reflects the goals that many investors are trying to accomplish. This is because no matter the label, a core goal of investing must be to generate returns. Any investment that fails to do so will, by definition, be unsustainable in the long run. Therefore, sustainable investing is a term that I'll use for the remainder of this podcast episode. Okay, so I'm going to take a slightly different path now and shine a spotlight on several vacations that have been taken by an American gentleman within the last five years and the effect that this has had on the world of sustainable investing. So listeners may suddenly think that, hang on a second, are we listening to a travel podcast? What's going on here? Okay, but please stick with me because the connection to investing and especially sustainable investing will soon become clear. So In recent months, we've had a real uptick, a real increase in listeners from Africa, and we're going to begin in Botswana. You know, it's a landlocked country in Southern Africa. And in 2017, an American gentleman in his 60s visited Botswana with his wife. Whilst there, he saw elephant herds rampaging due to drought. And prior to this trip, this gentleman had been horrified to discover that salmon had disappeared from a favorite fishing retreat in Idaho. And then finally, in August 2019, he took a trip to Lake Iliamna in southwest Alaska. And I hope I pronounced that correctly, that lake. Um, He took note of several instances of environmental degradation that caused him concern. So, for example, he observed perilously low water levels and a smoke-filled landscape that obscured the sun and abnormally high temperatures that served as a catalyst for wildfires in nearby Siberia. Now, to many, these events may have caused alarm and dismay, but mm, to this individual in particular, they were enough to cause a profound realization. And this is noteworthy, given that the individual that I'm referring to is Larry Fink, co-founder of BlackRock, the world's largest asset management group. So it's clear that Fink's experiences in Alaska, Idaho, and Botswana have played a formative role in his evolution as an investor. So in his 2021 letter to CEOs just earlier this year, Fink states, climate transition presents a historic investment opportunity. Moreover, in his 2020 letter to CEOs, he stated, I believe we are on the edge of a fundamental reshaping of finance in the near future and sooner than most anticipate. There will be a significant reallocation of capital as trillions of dollars shift to millennials over the next few decades, as they become CEOs and CIOs, as they become the policymakers and heads of state, they will further reshape the world's approach to sustainability. So, in a 2020 white paper by BlackRock, the company that he uh, he commandeers is the CEO of, in a 2020 white paper entitled Reshaping Sustainable Investing, Fink's company estimates that money inflows into sustainable ETFs and index funds will rise by roughly sixfold to $1.2 trillion by the end of the 2020s. So Jay, I've touched upon Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, 
the world's largest asset management group, and the events that caused him to have somewhat of an epiphany with regards to the environment. Um, in your opinion, what other factors have played a part? Well, you you mentioned sort of like the 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 upcoming generation and how mm-hmm. many will they'll be taking on positions of uh, leadership in the world and ultimately resulting in sort of more um, sustainable investment. Well, as a dad myself, probably David Attenborough has had a big impact on my family. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, uh, the work that he's done about um, what is included in nature Mm -hmm. and the importance of nature to our future and even our well-being right now is hugely, hugely important. Um, And actually, I have to tell you that I'm quite inspired by um, the Greta effect. Yeah. I think that she's made a big difference to a lot of people, and, and she's not taking no for an answer. She's not. And the, the phrase, you know, a child shall lead them, and it's, it's depressing that it takes a child um, getting angry to this point to wake us up, but it, it, we're at that point now. My only concern is that as she losing some of her her effect because yeah. people are now just becoming um, numb to it. Now it's no longer a shock before previously she got a lot of headlines, which, which I think were well-deserved mm. and accolades, which were well-deserved <laughs> because she's raising an incredibly important part uh, points. But I'm afraid now that people almost like sort of becoming numb to it. And that's the unfortunate part for me. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It really is. You make, you make some good points there about the awareness that um, we as consumers have David Attenborough, a great effect. And, I just think about education as well. There's this increasing focus on the environment. You know, kids nowadays are becoming really well-versed in these terms, climate change and global warming, and they learn about deforestation. You know, I really feel it's become front and center in our minds, particularly the last 10 years. You know, maybe whereas perhaps, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, it was kind of a niche issue. Perhaps you'd hear a little bit about it on the news, not so much, but now it's kind of front and center, this real focus on sustainability and what's happening in terms of the world. So um, during my research for this episode, I stumbled upon some fascinating stats. So for instance, in an article for FT Advisor dated the 5th of November, 2020, financial journalist, Imogen 2 states that in 2020, investors plowed four times as much as much cash into ESG funds, into sustainable funds, as they did in 2019. And it's also interesting to note that a whole host of companies have been looking to enhance their green credentials in recent years. For example, I'll talk a little bit now about the Climate Pledge. And so for those who are not familiar, the Climate Pledge calls on companies and organizations to be net zero carbon across their businesses by 2040. The pledge has been signed by more than 100 companies, including Amazon, Microsoft, Uber, Unilever, Mercedes-Benz, IBM, Visa, PepsiCo, as well as many others. So though not a signatory to the Climate Pledge, Apple has also committed to be 100% carbon neutral by 2030. So it's important to know, of course, that this episode is also quite topical as the next United Nations Climate Change Conference kicks off this coming Sunday, 31st of October in Glasgow, in Scotland and the UK. And it lasts until Friday, November the 12th. It's known as COP26, as it's the 26th United Nations Climate Change Conference. Okay, so moving on now, here's an interesting quote, okay, that I gathered during my research. The goal of net zero is the greatest commercial opportunity of our time. So listeners, these are the words of Mark Carney, a Canadian and a former Bank of England governor and finance advisor to the UK. 
finance advisor to the UK Prime Minister for the upcoming United Nations Climate Summit. Um, in a recent interview of the United Nations, this is what he had to say on investing in net zero. Begin quote. The dialogue has shifted from viewing climate change as a risk to seeing the opportunity and really translating that into a single objective, which is to move our economies to net zero as quickly as possible. That's a tremendously exciting development because what we have now in private finance is a focus on a clear goal, net zero, and finding the opportunities to advance that and to be rewarded by it. Private finance is judging which companies are part of the solution, but private finance too is increasingly being judged. Banks, pension funds and asset managers have to show where they are in the transition to net zero and people are voting with their money. That is creating a type of investment that we're going to need to get to net zero. End quote. So interesting words from your fellow Canadian there, Jay. So do you have any thoughts on this? And are you familiar with this term net zero? Yeah, and you know, there's <clears throat> growing up in Canada, I'm very familiar with the work of Mark Carney. It, a lot of it is optics. How does mm. it look to investors? What is yeah. what does this what is what is this going to look like to the wider community? And when I was growing up, um, the my mom was a, a teacher, and the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund was a big investor in tobacco tobacco companies, and. For optics reasons, they decided in the end that they needed to pull their investment away from tobacco companies, however profitable they were, because the optics of it weren't playing nicely, um, and rightfully so. And I think that's almost kind of similar to what's happening today, at very least. That if they're not going to do it for the um, for the the right reasons, they're mm-hmm. doing it for optics. And nobody wants to see to be seen as on the wrong side of history. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a really good point. It's a really good point. Thanks, Jay. So, you know, so earlier on this episode, I spoke about the fact that a core goal of investing must be to generate returns. So hmm, this is where sustainable investing has historically been viewed with some degree of skepticism. After all, it's all well and good investing with a sense of morals, but many investors were hesitant to invest in this manner because of the perceived threat to their returns. However, during my research, I found some interesting data. For the purpose of this episode, I read an article from the Journal of Sustainable Finance and Investment, and the article title is ESG and Financial Performance, Aggregated Evidence from More Than 2,000 Empirical Studies. Sorry. Um, it was published in December 2015, and the author's names are Gunnar Fried, Timo Bush, and Alexander Bessen. And here are the conclusions. Okay, so this is from the study, begin quote. We clearly find evidence for the business case for ESG investing. This finding contrasts with the common perception among investors. ESG outperformance opportunities exist in many areas of the market. In particular, we find that this holds true for North America and emerging markets. Based on this exhaustive review effort, our main conclusion is that orientation toward long-term responsible investing should be important for all kinds of rational investors in order to fulfill their fiduciary duties and may better align investors' interests with the broader objectives of society. End quote. So pretty fascinating stuff there, okay, about the returns of ESG investing, of sustainable investing. So, so Jay, what are your thoughts about that? Well, interestingly, I know for me, my own investment strategy, number one, I, I, 
I talked earlier in the episode and, and in previous episodes about investing in the future that I want, but also I want to, I'm using it as an investment strategy. I do believe that fundamentally 10 years from now, we will see, my hope is some dramatic and um, very profitable returns in my investment. I, I, I invest in quite a few um, green ETFs, mm. renewable energies, uh, and I so far so good. Um, for the last couple of years at least. And my hope is that 10 years from now, I'll be looking back and saying that was actually a genius move. We saw the writing on the wall mm. and that I'm glad that I made that part of my, an important part of my investment strategy. Yeah, almost like I think we mentioned in an early episode, um, I think it was the episode on the Olympics, Olympic analogies, you know, skate towards the where the puck is going to go. Okay, that we- Wayne made, Gretzky. He got it, Wayne Gretzky again, what a legend. <laughs> Absolutely. And- um, you know, so I think it's about time that we started to take a look at some example funds that may be of interest to some of our listeners. So again, let me make it very clear. These are not recommendations, but just some funds that we're both aware of in terms of their kind of uh, focus upon sustainability. All right. So the podcast now has listeners from 60 countries. So I can't guarantee that I'll find a suitable, sustainable fund for everyone. But I hope that the funds that I now outline can function as a catalyst for some of our listeners to go off and initiate some of their own research. Okay, so first of all, let me begin with the iShares Dow Jones Global Sustainability Screened ETF. The ticker symbol is IGSG, and the fund is available under London Stock Exchange. And so I advise those that normally buy on other exchanges to listen out for more relevant funds to them a little later on. Okay, so the ticker symbol IGSG, this fund provides exposure to a broad range of global companies which have been screened for their economic, environmental, and social characteristics. The fund fact sheet informs me that the fund directly invests in companies leading in the sustainability field, with the exclusion, with the exclusion of those which generate revenues from alcohol, tobacco, gambling, armament, firearms, and adult entertainment. It provides worldwide exposure with a focus on sustainability screened equities. The fee is 0.6%, which is a little higher than you may be accustomed to, especially if you regularly buy other globally diversified ETFs, such as the VWRL fund, which we've spoken about before. Okay, that's the VWRL fund. Um, that's also available in the London Stock Exchange. And so let me tell you a little bit now about... Sorry, someone, you know what? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Yeah. What have, the, what have the returns been like on that fund? Yeah, let me tell you about that. So over the past 10 years, the fund has returned around about 218%. Okay, and that amounts to an average annual return of about 12.3% a year. I mean, that's not a bad return, is it, Jay? No, and you know what? When you compare that to... And I was actually looking up uh, the return on the five and ten year return on a lot of gas ETFs, or, mm. or um, we say in Canada we call it gas and uh, petrol returns or oil returns. Mm. Um, the the returns for those, and I struggled to find one that was in the positive. Most are wow. down anywhere from um, ten. 20 and in some cases 75 percent wow. on some oil etfs <laughs> and it's our gas etfs and it was quite telling for me that where the potential future might be we, we tell people to invest for the long term 10 20 years and if that's the case well if you try taking that approach 10 years ago you'd be minus 
five, 10, 20% on a 10 yeah. year investment. That's, that's not the kind of return you want. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about my father-in-law now. I mean, when I first started to kind of get into investing and immerse in investing, I remember he, he would talk to me about Royal Dutch Shell. You know, that was a company that I think he had shares in. And um, even, you know, my father-in-law now, I think he now, his uh, investing philosophy has evolved. I can, you know, I've regularly, in, in, you know, in recent years spoken to him about kind of these energy-themed companies and ETFs. So I think he's perhaps just a microcosm of what's been taking place around the world. I think investors around the world are starting to become a bit more knowledgeable and are recognizing this, this shift that is taking place that Larry Fink has spoken about, the CEO of BlackRock, Mark Carney we've spoken about. So did, it's definitely interesting. Did I hear right uh, a while ago that BP, which used to stand for British Petroleum, has um, changed their name. BP now stands for Beyond Petroleum. Did you Have you heard oh. that? No, is that I cannot understand how to happen, but I have not heard that. Uh, I'll have to look wow. that up because, but that that again, that would I remember hearing in our news report, and um, it, that would make sense because you're you're trying to make you're trying to shift away from the at least at very least the optics of yeah you know just sort of being a, an oil company. Yeah, it's fascinating. I don't know. In episode nine, I think our folks on ETFs. I, pretty sure I remember mentioning the fact that the Rockefeller Fund for many years historically had invested in oil companies, for example. And over time, they've gradually divested their funds away from such companies. So, you know, definitely is fascinating to see the shift that has been taking place in recent years. Can you tell me, let's talk a little bit more about what what are the major holdings in the the VWRL, of which I am a holder myself. Sure. Oh, um, IGSG? IGSG, do you mean? Sorry, sorry. Um, That's okay. I apologize. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Yeah, so that's okay. Yeah, so the, the IGSG fund, which um, I, I referred to a moment ago, it, it might come as somewhat of a surprise to some investors, but the major holdings in this fund are actually pretty well-known companies that aren't necessarily first thought of as sustainable companies, or to put another way, they're they're not the companies you would immediately think of when you reflect on sustainably oriented companies. So, for example. The biggest holding in the IGSG fund is Microsoft. And in the top 10, you also have Visa, MasterCard, and Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing. So it's important to note that rather than actively seeking out sustainably oriented companies, many of these sustainable funds focus more upon an exclusionary policy. Mm. We've spoken quite a bit about um, Vanguard in this podcast. Mm. Can you... Elaborate more. Give us a bit more about the sustainable products offering that Vanguard provides. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we're big fans of Vanguard here. And um, I believe it was episode 10, we had a focus on Jack Bogle, who was the founder of um, the Vanguard Investment Group. So, you know, let's turn our attention to the USA now and let's take a look at a key offering from Vanguard. Okay, so the largest Vanguard ESG index fund is the Vanguard FTSE Social Index Fund, and the ticker symbol is VFTAX. Okay, so that's VFTAX. Okay, so this is the largest, the largest Vanguard fund. I believe so. That it's 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 the largest Vanguard ESG index fund. Okay, according to my research. Okay, and this fund excludes all companies tied to oil, coal, or gas reserves production or final transmission. It also excludes stocks tied to adult entertainment, alcohol, tobacco, and a wider array of weapons, including nuclear military. Okay, so it's a relatively young fund as its starting date was February 2019. However, 
in the two and a half years since its inception, it has returned almost 80%. That's, cr- that's a crazy number. Yeah. That's crazy good. It's pretty impressive, right? Pretty impressive. Okay. So also just this year, Vanguard UK has introduced its first sustainable product offering. Vanguard's ESG Global All Cap ETF is the company's first ESG sustainable ETF in Europe. So there are two options. So let me explain the ticker symbols, okay, particularly for UK investors. Okay, so the first ticker symbol, V3AM, that's V3AM, represents the distributing version of the fund, which means that is it is a dividend paying version. Okay, the alternative ticker symbol is V3AB, which represents the accumulating version of this fund, okay? Accumulating, of course, means that the dividends are automatically reinvested back into the fund. Okay, so that's what UK investors can look at in terms of Vanguard's offering. Okay, so again, similarly to the other funds, the methodology of the fund is to remove companies that do not satisfy UN global compact principles relating to labor, human rights, environmental, and anti-corruption standards. It also includes firms deriving significant revenue from non-renewable energy such as coal, oil, or gas, nuclear power, adult entertainment, alcohol, tobacco, gambling, and weapons. You know, can I can I just clarify? Yeah. It's companies want fund to be included in funds, yeah. right? That's yeah. uh, that's that's helpful for their 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 stock price when yeah. they get included in a fund. Mm. That's very helpful for their stock price. Absolutely. So yeah. the, the, again, there is that added pressure. I would think for companies to be included in as many funds as possible. Yeah. And this is perhaps one way that um, we can incentivize that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point you make. Okay, so I'm going to leave things there for now in terms of um, listing funds. But and what I'd like to do is just, you know, leave listeners with some of my final thoughts on sustainable investing. Okay, so let me make this clear. First and foremost, I am not a climate expert. You know, I'm not seeking to scaremonger or to F offer any apocalyptic visions for the future. The purpose of this podcast episode was to simply provide an introduction to sustainable investing and to provide some examples of sustainable funds that may be of interest to some of our listeners. As ever, listener, the decision lies with you. Again, as I've spoken about before on this podcast, your decision should be influenced by your unique investment palette. Step back and ask yourself how important sustainable investing is to you. Encouragingly, the costs of investing in sustainable index trackers have plummeted in recent years. Some investors can make the mistake of chasing the next fad, or in other words, the on-vogue investing strategy of the day. I certainly would not suggest that you invest in a sustainable fund because you believe it to be the next best, best thing. If you earnestly believe that sustainable investing could be for you, then I suggest that you commit the time to delve a little deeper. Take the time to carefully do your own research, your own due diligence. Invest the time to explore your options online using the websites of reputable, well-known low fee providers such as iShares and Vanguard. This will enable you to engage their current product offerings and how they align with your own sustainable investment palette. Jay, do you have any closing thoughts? No, no, I guess... What I would try and um, encourage people to do, I, I love the idea of investing in the future that you want to see. Yeah. Um, but also use the the built-in features in your your investment house, their apps or the yeah. the, the their websites. Um, again, IB offers the opportunity for me to look at ESGs, and that's uh, the ESG of a, a company when I want. 
deciding whether or not I want to invest in that company. I, I use that. I use that as a sort of a tool to evaluate for me if I want to um, put my money, park my money with that company. Mm. And we spoke about this before as well in previous episodes that on the one hand, you know, ah, perhaps, perhaps it's uh, it's not so good that we have such easy access to our brokerages via apps on our phone and perhaps- It's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. But on a positive side, yeah, the fact that we have exposure now to such a wealth of information about these ESG funds, about these companies that look to change the world over the next 10 to 15 years. I mean, you know, I encourage people, do your research, see what's available to you. If you think sustainable investing could be for you, then there's a wealth of information out there. And I know that iShares, you know, spearheaded by Larry Think, they've taken a real uh, impetus in this regard. And of course, Vanguard as well. So iShares and Vanguard, they have a range of funds available. So yeah, like I just mentioned, I encourage investors to take a look. Yeah, for sure. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for today's episode. Um, have a great one and we will see you for episode 15. See you soon, guys. Bye. For more tips, follow the Sloth Investor on Twitter at Sloth underscore Investor.